Romans chapter 12, and we will not be reading there for a bit. I, we will get to it, but I've got several things I need to talk to you about first in preparation for that. But today, we are going to be getting a new series of messages that I, I told you we would start a month ago. A month ago, we were dealing, we were in the midst of a study about our church's mission. Some of you would remember that. We were talking about the things that we believe as a church God has given us to do. That's what mission is, the things we do in response to God's direction. And as we were talking about that, we finished up discussing that we believe that one of the things that the Lord has caused, called us to do as a church family is to do a better job of helping people discover and fulfill their God-given destiny. Now, destiny is a word that I believe is a Bible word, even though you can't find it in the Bible. And the reason I say that is because destiny without God is, I don't know what it is, but it isn't destiny. It's something that we cooked up or something we can think of in some sort of mystical, new agey kind of, you know, way or something that we're just going to manufacture on our own or engineer out of our own resources. But that is not destiny. But I believe that we are all people of destiny. We've been designed for a destined purpose. And helping one another discover better, no one is ever, we're not going to get this 100%, you know. You're not going to finish this series of messages or teachings with me over the next few weeks and come out the other end with something stamped on your forehead that says, this is my destiny. But we're going to get better at sort of understanding how God has wired us up. The ways he's put us together uniquely so that we can fulfill the things for which he destined us better. We can cooperate with him better in that way. Does that sound like a good idea? Well, a couple of us anyway. You know, the rest of you just have to endure it, I guess. But anyway, some of us are excited about it. All right. We want to fulfill that part of our mission better. And so I told you back then, a month ago, that we would, we would take a closer look, a deeper dive at some of these things, and that's what we're going to begin today. The series is called Designed for Destiny. And we begin by uh, uh, driving home this understanding that God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life, dear one. And he's not making it up as he goes along. We're going to read from Psalms in just a minute that describes this, but we have a God who is purposeful about you and every minute of your life. I know what it's like to wake up in the morning and kind of wonder, well, what's this day going to hold? And, you know, uh, there's always, seems like there's always surprises some good, some bad, challenges that come up, and, and you just wonder, boy, I hope I make it safely through to bed tonight, you know? But God never is thinking that way. One time when I was a young man, I really young man, I was in my early teens, I remember in those days I was, a, a, you know, like most teenagers, I slept till one in the afternoon, you know? And, um, but this day... I was awakened early, and when I say awakened, that was, I understood that only in hindsight, because at the time, I was just, you know, I, I woke up, and I was alert, and that's, that was saying a lot in those days, right? Um, 
But how I know, you know, after the fact that I was awakened was that almost immediately after coming alert in the early morning, I, it was as though, I can't explain this very well, but it's as though I could sense the Lord in the room with me. I didn't see anything. I didn't hear any voices. But it was as though I could sense God there with me, excited about my day. And it was, I had this impression that he had woken me up. That he was so anxious to get on with his plans for my day that he was waking me up. And uh, I, that impression has stayed with me for my whole life. That's the God we have. The one who is intentional about you and about your life. He has a plan for your life. And I ask you to turn to Romans, stay there. But in Psalm 139, verses 13 and 16, it says this. For you formed my inward parts. And that's not a reference to your kidneys and your spleen. That's a reference to the real you, the deep you, the spiritual you, the one that is going to be with God, the you that's going to be with God for eternity. God formed your you, your inward parts. You, it says you, and it's talking about God covered me in my mother's womb. That covered means he hovered over you. He was so intent on your design and the fashioning of your life. It was as though he hovered over you there in your mother's womb. Specifically and, and with detail. Uh, crafting creatively your life. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. That describes a God who when you were nothing more than two cells... At conception, he saw you fully formed. Your eyes saw my substance, the me I would become <clears throat> from my mother's womb, from that state that where things were not quite as formed as they would become. In your book, and I don't imagine that God has a quill pen and a parchment and he's actually writing this, but in some fashion the Bible is indicating here that there is a way that God is recording and was and will be recording my days, your days, before they were even fashioned for me. It says, in, and in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. So before you saw the light of day, God in heaven was already scripting your life. He was already imagining everything that was going to take place with you and recording it in advance. That's the God we have. The God who has a plan for your life. Now his plans for you uh, and his unique, the unique approach that he has taken to fashioning your life is not so much that you would become a specialist in some uh, area, but that you could focus, have better focus. Have, you know, a lot of times, people I know because I, I counsel lots of people, I, and I and I am a person, and I've been through this myself. We tend to imagine life as just endless possibilities, and there is a good way to think about it in that terms. But often, what it ends up feeling like is overwhelming. And the Lord wants for us, I believe, to have a way to sort of focus a little better in life. Not to become specialists, 
but so that we actually find ourselves making progress in the, along the path that God has made for our lives. Does that make sense? <clears throat> now, there are several elements of design that God is woven into who you are. And here are some of them, and the ones that I think are the most prominent. Number one, talents and aptitudes. And nobody I know has adequately defined how talents come to be with people. But they do, don't they? My son, when he was about five or six, one day he, he was at a birthday party. He climbed to the top of a play structure in the park and decided, I'm going to fly, and jumped off the top of it broke his femur and had a cast from his, you know, his waist to his ankle for many months, was basically, you know, uh, stuck in a chair. He got a hold of a pen and paper and began to draw because he couldn't really do anything else. And you know what he discovered? He discovered he had a talent for art. Today he makes his living in part as an artist. There's a talent that he was born with, something that I didn't teach him for sure. <laughs> Uh, and, but people have aptitudes and talents that we just come out of the womb with, right? That's part of God's design, one of the elements of his design. There are also skills that God arranges for us to develop. Skills are things we learn or gain over time. That's, that's not by mistake. God arranges those things and they help make us who we are. There are experiences that we have, and, and I'm, I've talked about this before, so I won't go into too much detail right now, but even the, look, I, I acknowledge some of the things that people experience are wicked and evil, horrible. And you can ask the question, where was God in the middle of all that and so forth? That's another teaching. But here's what I can tell you today. The God whose grace is so powerful that he could overcome all of your sin and cause you to become a son or daughter of his with an eternal destiny of, of heaven. That God, his amazing grace, is also powerful enough to redeem every experience of your life and weave it into his plans for who you are and his purposes for you. That's how powerful he is. So experiences are part of the things we've gone through and what we've experienced, part of what shapes us. Same for influences, those people that God has arranged to enter our lives at different stages and have influence on us. God uh, is involved and engaged in all of that. These are elements of his design. And the last one that I'm going to put on the screen is the one we're going to focus on for the next few weeks, and that's spiritual gifts. How many of you have ever heard that term? Uh, spiritual gifts. Okay, many of us. And <clears throat> what we're talking about when we say that are ways that God supernaturally bestows upon us gifts from him that shape who we are and our, uh, his plans for our lives beyond the things that we've already discussed. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to um, take a moment to sort of set the stage before we dive into this subject. And as I said, this is going to take a few weeks. So uh, we're not going to nail this all down today. But let me just t tell you, as I, as a pastor, as I approach my thinking about how, what 
we should engage in in terms of study together on these weeks, you know, these Sundays together. I think about we need to have a diet that includes inspiration. A lot of times we just need to be inspired from the Word of God. There are also times we need to be exhorted. That means when we come to the Word of God, we need for it to confront us with stuff. We need to kind of kick us in the pants once in a while, right? God wants to use His Word to exhort us. But another way I think about part of the diet uh, that we need as a congregation from the Word of God is instruction. So there's inspiration, exhortation, and instruction. We need to be uh, become more knowledgeable about what God is up to and about the things that he, his values and, and uh, his ways. And so this series is more on the instructional side of things. We're going to learn stuff together. So get ready to put your thinking caps on. And besides the passage I've turned, asked you to turn to today in Romans chapter 12, we're also going to look at two others. So get ready to turn the page in a little bit. And now let me just talk to you about spiritual gifts in, in particular and set some things, acknowledge some things and get it out on the table. There are, in the, in the body of Christ, a lot of approaches to the subject of spiritual gifts. And I just want to acknowledge up front <clears throat> that my approach, uh, by the way, my approach is not mine alone. Always be just a little nervous when some preacher person says, I have, this, I have the final say on this. I've got this mystery solved from God. No one else has this truth. And, you know, you want to run from that person as far away as you can get because after, we've had the New Testament for nearly 2,000 years and the Old Testament for much longer than that. And let me just tell you, nobody is going to find something brand new in here. That doesn't mean we're going to not dig deep into stuff and discover gems we'd never mined before. But, you know, let's just acknowledge that God is pretty good about making sure that we get what he intends for us out of his word. But that's not to say that Christian people, Bible-believing, Christ-following believers, can't have some disagreement about some of the things that we read in the scripture not the essentials, but there are some things that we're going to just find little different viewpoints on. I have a, a viewpoint on spiritual gifts that is not universal. I'm not alone, but it's not universal. So let me just acknowledge this up front. I'm going to tell you what I believe and why you don't have to believe that. But you'll know when we're done what I believe and why, and you can... Figure that out for yourself, what, how, what, how, how meaningful that is for you. Are we okay on that? Now let me just say that the, the major or general perspective on spiritual gifts that most, most Christians take is that out of the three lists of, major lists of spiritual gifts that are found in Romans 12, where you've turned, Ephesians 4, where you'll turn after that, and 1 Corinthians 12, where we will turn after that, those three major lists of spiritual gifts that are found in the Bible, they all end up in one big bowl that God has. And he reaches into that bowl and kind of in a capricious fashion just takes two or three of them and says, here, Alex, you get to have mercy and leadership. Hey, thank me for that, right? And let's see, uh, here, Eddie, you get to have teaching and you get to have wisdom and so and so on it goes and I think most of you who have heard teaching about spiritual gifts have had something on that order 
Or at least that's the understanding that you've come away with. I'm not belittling it. I, I, I hope I didn't come across that way. Uh, there's value in that <coughs> approach. But I don't, I don't believe that God has just one big bowl full of gifts that he's just kind of tossing out randomly to people. And you get this one and I get that one. And when we all work together, you know, we're all good. I believe God's more purposeful about that. I believe God's more specific about that. And more importantly, I want you to know that I believe that there are three types of spiritual gifts. That the subject of spiritual gifts is divided into three categories. The gifts of the Father, the gifts of the Son, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit that form your perspective, your passion, and your power. And I want to explain that a little bit with this, these verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. It says this, there are diversities or differences of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are, there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Let's, let's take that, <clears throat> excuse me, from the bottom up. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. I believe this is a reference to God the Father. And that we are told that God the Father dispenses to us differences of activities and that this list, I believe this list of gifts is found in Romans chapter 12. Have you figured out that people do things differently than each other? You know, there's different approaches to things. When it says here, there are diversities of activities, that word means different uh, operations, different ways of doing things. My wife and I, I live with somebody who does things almost always different than me. And one of those ways that that shows up is that I am a, I'm kind of a neat Nick and I'm a minimalist and so I have two places where I have stacks of things. One on the left side of my desk where it's squared off and in the corner and it, you know, never gets more than about an inch high. I have a similar stack on the left side of my nightstand, again, straight on the, in, squared off. And the reason that that's so is that if either of those stacks reaches a level beyond about an inch, then I got to do something with that stuff, right? I, I know I have to file it or give it away or trash it or take action or something, okay? That's how I think things. Now, I call my wife lovingly my pile maker because every horizontal surface in our home has piles, multiple piles of things on it. And so rather than the approach that I take, where if one of my two piles rises over a certain height, action has to be taken, she just starts another pile. Right? We do things differently. We have a different approach to things. Now, you're not going to find on the list of spiritual gifts pile maker. That's something other than that. But it, it highlights the point that God has meant for us, created us to be people who approach life from different perspectives. Now, let me finish the story about my wife. I was, what, everything I told you was the absolute truth. But I was kind of, you know, it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But this is not. What I'm going to say right now is deadly serious. And some of you really need to hear this. 
I spent way too long thinking my way was right. And that if I could just teach her how to do things my way, she would be better off. Don't ask me how well that worked out. But one day, thank God, I got the, ba the spiritual baseball bat to the head and understood there was nothing, nothing wrong with the way my wife approaches that part of her life. It was perfectly in sync with who she is. And I have come to celebrate that about her. It's not something that needs to be changed. It's, it's part of who she is and a completely valid approach to dealing with stuff. And I can't tell you how much of a blessing that has brought to my life, to my relationships with her and everyone else I know to be able to appreciate that and value that and celebrate that. We have a God in heaven who gifts us with different approaches to life, different perspectives on life, and it's part of his divine purposes being realized in us. And so when we talk about the gifts of the Father, we're talking, and we're going to read them in a moment, we're talking about things that God gifts us when we're born. Every person, believer, non-believer, every person, when they're born, God gives them uh, one or a combination of these seven gifts of the Father found in Romans chapter 12. In the, and I just realized I told you to turn there and I never did, but I'm going to right now while I'm stalling and speaking. And we're going to read beginning at verse 3 where it says... For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us now use them. And here we go. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Seven gifts of the Father that form our, our perspective on life. Back to 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. The word ministries there is serving. It's, it's uh, the word for, that would be how we serve Jesus. There are differences of of passion that believers have for serving Christ. And, and these are gifts, dear one, that God, when you are reborn, remember the gifts of the Father are when you are born. When you are reborn, the Son gifts you with a passion for an area of ministry. 
so that you wake up every day and you're inclined to want to serve him in this area, someone else in another. It's the arena of service that you're engaged in. This is a gift from God. We read about it in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, but actually verse 7 and 11 and 12 in that passage. And they form the passion that we have for serving Jesus, the gifts of the Son. Turn now to Ephesians chapter 4 and we'll read it together. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Back to 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6, it says there are diversities of gifts. That's the word charismata, charisma, charis, grace, gifts, but the same spirit. These are uh, divine enablings by the Holy Spirit that uh, empower spirit-filled believers to fulfill the ministry passion God has given them. When you're born, the Father gives you gifts of perspective. When you are reborn, the Son gives you gifts of passion for ministry. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God enables you, provides for you a full complement of supernatural gifts that will empower you to fulfill the ministry you're passionate about. Let's read those in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12. Beginning at verse 7. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these, distributing to each one individually as he wills. There are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about three types of spiritual gifts. Perspective, the gifts of the Father. Passion, the gifts of the Son. Power, the gifts of the Spirit. I would like for you to stay with me for just a few more minutes and I'm going to try to put this in a more graphic form if I can. So these are, uh, there are the gifts of the Father, there are seven of them. The gifts of the Son, the gifts of the Spirit, there are nine. You'll notice that in each of the categories, the uh, gift of prophecy shows up. That doesn't mean it's the same gift. The, it's the way it gets, um, the way it functions in each of those categories is different. We're talking about a little bit different thing in each in each category. I'm just acknowledging that. We're going to, over the next few weeks, we're going to make that clearer, but just acknowledging that so you're not confused. You'll also see that the gift of teaching shows up in two of the categories of gifts. The same thing. It's not, it, 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 the way it gets lived out is differently in each of those categories. So we'll, we'll deal with that over the next few weeks. <coughs> Excuse me. 
here are some friends of mine. Uh, these are old pictures of them, so don't tell them I used them because they won't be happy about that. But anyway, just random photos I, I grabbed to illustrate this. Let's imagine that <clears throat> these seven people uh, have these, have been given by the Father, these gifts of perspective. Uh, Mai, prophecy, Violet, ministering, Scott, teaching, Anna, exhorting, Steve, giving, Don, leading, Ling, mercy. Let's just imagine that that's the case. These are the leading gifts of perspective that God has given these seven people, okay? Now, over the, in the, over the weeks to come, we're going to talk about what each of these gifts mean, what the, how they get lived out, what they look like, and will help you to be able to discern, uh, you know, if you're anywhere close to any of those kinds of things in your life. Now, in the gifts of the sun, let's imagine this way, that there are five arenas of ministry. If you took everything that Jesus was doing in the world, that it would come, uh, boil down to these five arenas where he is at work. Everything that Jesus is doing in the world today is <clears throat> captured by these five arenas. I don't mean to degrade this uh, conversation by saying this, but it might help you. If you've ever been to a three-ring circus and you've seen activity in th going on in three different arenas all at the same time, you can kind of imagine that Jesus is doing a lot in this world and it's happening in five different arenas of ministry, passion, apostleship, prophecy, evangelism, pastoring, and teaching. Now let's just take one of those, the one that most of us are familiar with, pastoring. Most of us in the room have some idea of what a pastor uh, does in terms of ministry. You're going to find that probably your understanding of this is need needing to be expanded, and we will over the next few weeks, I believe. But let's just uh, deal with this one because it's probably most commonly understood. And let's say that four of those friends of mine who have different gifts of the Father, gifts of perspective. Let's say that Jesus puts four of them into this arena of ministry passion. That when they came to Christ, they started having a desire to serve him as a pastor. And I don't necessarily mean a guy like me who stands up on Sundays and, and preaches from a pulpit, but they have a desire to shepherd people. When they came to Jesus, that started to be their passion. They want to shepherd people. Well, you can imagine that the way my friend Scott would approach pastoring would be different than the way my friend Don would approach pastoring. A teaching pastor is going to be someone who shepherds the flock primarily by instruction, right? Another, my friend Don, the way that he would shepherd a flock would be more like Let's figure out where we're going and let's get there. He'd be the person who's leading a, a group of people somewhere. My friend Ling, if she, having that gift of mercy, if she had a passion for, for pastoring, her pastoral care of people would be the main thing. She would be interested in caring about where, you know, what's going on in people's lives and sharing the, a merciful approach to them. So you, you get the idea here. That's why there are so many different kinds of pastors, right? 
because we are gifted differently. And the combinations of these gifts shape us uniquely. Now, let's talk about the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are a little different in that they all all part of a, a spiritual toolkit that God gives to every believer when they are filled with or baptized in His Spirit to enable us to do uh, to have the power to do, the supernatural power to do what God has impassioned us in terms of ministry. So let's go back to the other illustration. Let's say my four friends are, uh, have a passion for pastoring. God arranges for, the ha- for them to have the full complement of the power of the Holy Spirit to do what he's called them to do. That's the convergence of these three types of gifts of the Spirit. Are you with me so far? Fake it. You know, just, that'll make me feel better. Okay. <laughs> All right. So there are these three types of gifts. Gifts of the Father, gifts of the Son, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Last January, we, we took a deep dive in the gifts of the Spirit. So we're not going to be discussing that in these weeks together. Um, and, and if you weren't with us for whatever reason and you... Uh, want to um, catch up on that, you can. All of that stuff, you can uh, get through our website. Over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Father and the gifts of the Son, the gifts of perspective and the gifts of passion. And we're going to start with the gifts of perspective. This is recording number 11228 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, September 11, 2016. This is the first message in a series titled, Design for Destiny. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Introduction, 